Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, are we in the house of the Lord? Now, when we get to heaven and Jesus says, how are we doing this morning? How are you going to respond? That's right. We're going to be in heaven. This is supposed to be like a little taste of heaven every week where we get to be fully in the presence of the Lord. We worship him. We sing to him. We learn from him. And so just uh, it's a great opportunity for us to be in the house of the Lord. A couple announcements I have. Uh, first thing. Uh, so we got uh, football. We've had uh, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We partner with FCA, and we're doing every Wednesday night. You've heard Rick Kennedy talk about it. We're providing a meal for the players, optional. After, the, after they leave practice, they can come over to where we're having a meal. They can have a meal with us, and then we have a devotion time with us. This week was our first one. First one of the season. We're doing it for 11 weeks we had 61 football players stay after practice. Yes, give the praise to the Lord. And I'm telling you, I was there, and 61 players that were glad to be there, right? So they were there, they enjoyed the meal, and then Rick Kennedy did an amazing job with a devotion. He told them all about Jesus Christ, told them that what a difference it is to be on the winning team. And the winning team, I love what Rick said, be on the winning team, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then I love with this challenge he gave them. If you're on the winning team and Jesus Christ is your Savior, act like you're on the winning team, right? Behave like you're on the winning team. Do the things that a winning team does, right? And so Rick gave him a great challenge. These guys responded. So it's exciting to see how we can impact JS football team with, uh, with food, with encouragement, and with a great devotion. So Rick's got sign-ups over there. So there's a sign-up sheet if you want to help provide a meal for one of the weeks. Like I said, we're doing 11 weeks. Got 10 more left. We also have donation cards. So if you see the cards hanging from the ceiling, if you say, well, I don't have the time to be able to cook a meal and bring it on Wednesday night, then you can take an envelope, put any kind of donation into that envelope. That money goes straight to buying food, Gatorades, waters, snacks, desserts, whatever we can bring to provide for the football players. But a great week, and when you're given to that, you're given to a great cause, because I'm telling you, these guys, they're receiving it, they want to hear about it, and we're planting seeds, and who knows what God can do when you get these guys and these young people, the students here at JF, uh, excited for the Lord, excited for knowing who Jesus Christ is and how to live for Jesus Christ. Another thing, since we're talking about Jefferson Forest High School, we got these awesome cards. They're on the side table over there. So uh, Jimmy Thomas and RST Marketing made these cards for us. And so uh, got Impact, the logo on there, and our website. On the back side is a plane where you can write a note. So on the side table over here where Angie is, Angie Wave, um, we got uh, all the teachers by departments, math department, uh, PE department, coaches, uh, custodians, Everybody who works here at Jefferson Forest High School, we want to take, I want somebody to take each one of those departments home. So there's different departments, so like seven people, eight people, nine people, 11 people. You can have a life group if there's a life group in here that wants to take a group. And I want you to pray over the names all week long. Just pray over the names of the teachers and the staff and the leadership that works here. And I want you to write a note, you know, an encouraging note to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And God's got you, you know, and something that will encourage them and bring that back next week. 
And then I got permission to take it and put it in the mailboxes uh, for the teachers and staff to get. And what encouragement will be for the, them as the teachers, and they got a week ahead of them that they got to work through the week and have something like this to say, hey, we appreciate you. We know you're doing a great job, and we're praying for you. So I encourage you to stop by the table as you go out, pick up a, a department, math department. They, those math teachers, Amanda's in the back, she knows. They love all the prayer they can get, right? Getting the teachers to fall, getting the students to fall in love with math, but yeah, this is a great opportunity, and we want you to be a part of that. If you're a Liberty student and you're looking for Christian service, uh, we'll be at campus this week, uh, Wednesday, August 30th. Uh, you can sign up for Christian service, and you can serve at the church and get your Christian service hours. And we know from previous years that if you don't have your Christian service hours, they won't give you a diploma. So it's important to go ahead and get that in. So uh, we can do that here. As you can see Angie at the end of the church today, and she can get you set up with that. All right. Uh, last week, I missed a couple birthdays. I did, Ruthie, is Ruthie here? No? Oh, right there. I missed your birthday last week. But you, it's your birthday, so happy birthday, belated birthday. And we just want to celebrate Ruthie. You see her? Wish her a happy belated birthday. I missed it last week. And then Dale Bell, Dale, raise your hand up. Dale, Pastor Brad's uh, dad, he had a birthday this past week. And he, me and him helped with a couple up here in the front, helped him move. I'm not going to tell you how old Dale is. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. But he acts like a 25-year-old, and we were moving some furniture. And, and he won't shine away from boxes of books or anything. He was doing the great thing. But he celebrated his birthday by serving other people. So happy birthday, Dale. A bladed birthday. So now I just want to talk about the life groups. We have life groups that are going to start kicking up in September. And so I want to kind of talk about some of the life groups that we have. Maybe get some of the life group leaders that are here to stand up and so you know who they are. Um, and then at the end of church, over to the side here, as you go leave, find the life group leaders and talk to them. Ask them questions about what their life group is really all about, what they plan to do. But... But let's go over a couple of these life groups. Jeff and Jamie Benson, right here in the middle, stand up, wave to everybody. They're hosting uh, a life group at their house. Brad leads the discussion, uh, Journey Through John. So they meet every Wednesday. It's going to start September 13th, and they go from 6.30 to 8.30. So they provide a meal, so come enjoy a meal. Uh, talk to them afterwards, uh, and they're going through the book of John. Dylan and Annalise Back in the back, sea camp. So they're, stand up, stand up. They're, uh, they're leading college and young adults every Sunday. It starts, all, well, it started yesterday, right? Oh, it starts tonight. Yeah, it starts tonight, so every Sunday. So starting tonight, 6 o'clock to 7.30, and we got their address. So see them and talk about the uh, uh, college and young adult life group. Greg Gardner. Where's Greg at? I know I saw him. Oh, back in the back there. Greg Gardner, he is uh, teaching uh, our Iron Men, our men's Bible study every Saturday morning. Uh, that goes year-round. It's from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So that's Greg Gardner. So men, see him, get uh, details about how that Iron Man is going. Jeff and Barry. Jeff, Jeff and Barry. <laughs> Jerry and Beth Croak in the back. Stand up. There you go, in the back. They're, they also have a life group that goes year-round, uh, and they meet every other Thursday at 6.30 to 8 o'clock at their house. So see Jeff, Jeff, 
Jerry and Beth, not Jeff and Barry. <laughs> Jerry and Beth, Jerry and Beth Croak. Uh, see them, and as they go through the book of Acts, uh, so it's a great study, and like I said, they go year-round, so it's a great way to get plugged into some community. But every other Thursday, they had theirs last Thursday, so the next one will be September 7th. David and Debbie O'Brien, they're in the back there. Stand up. Oh, David's over here to the side because David has a table at the end. You can come on and see David. But uh, they have, uh, they also, they lead our Celebrate Recovery. But this, uh, they're going to do Life's Healing Choices as a life group. It's going to be September 12th through November 7th, every Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30. So talk to David and Debbie about the details about that, Life's Healing Choices. Karen and Stephanie, they're on a trip. Oh, that's right. Oh, there's... There they are. Y'all on the trip, but you're still here. That's impressive. That's, you can be two places at one time. But uh, they do a great job. Karen and Stephanie always do a great job with leading Bible studies and life groups. And uh, they're going to be doing following the Jewish Jesus. I think they do that continually. Uh, but they're going to meet Sunday nights at 630, and they're going to start October 8th with their life group. So women, see uh, Stephanie and Karen and get you plugged into that life group. Stacy and Sherry Brewer, They're, are they in the back? Don't say I don't see them right here. But uh, Stacy and Sherry Brewer, they have living out the message. Um, starts on September 10th every Sunday. They have 6:30. They have dinner, and then after that, they discuss the previous sermon uh, questions. Brad creates questions about the sermon that he preached, and then that life group, uh, as well as the men's life group, that meets on Saturday. They go through the questions that that. Brad creates about his sermon. So living out the message. So taking the sermon and talking about it in more depth. So that's what uh, Stacy and Sherry do as well as the men on Saturday mornings. Uh, and Randy and April Dodge. Stand up. Turn around. Randy and April. Uh, love having them. They just moved here from Maine. Um, they are leading a group uh, vertical marriage. So their heart and passion is for marriages and they lead marriage conferences uh, but they're going to have a life group that meets every Thursday, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, uh, and it's vertical marriage. So talk to them if you want to have uh, some how to make your marriage better. No matter where you're at in your marriage, every marriage can improve and grow and become more like what God wants it to be. Sanctification, sanctification of the person as we grow closer to be more like Christ, I think the same principle will be with our marriage. Your marriage can always grow. So sanctification of your marriage means your marriage becomes more like what God designed it to be. So, so Randy and uh, April are going to do that. So that's our life group. So all the life group leaders at the end of church, just hang out over here to the side as you see the people that you saw stand up. Ask questions. We'll have sign-up sheets next week. And, and obviously, I'll plug a plug-in for our website, impactforest.org, our website, impactforest.org. All the things I just mentioned to you is on our website. So you can go into the website, look at all the details of the different life groups, when they meet. There's actually a way to look at the map so you know where you're going, so you can get the, the directions to where each one is meeting at. Um, and then there's a way to submit a request. I want to know more about this group. It'll send us the request so we can contact you, call you, and answer all your questions about life groups. So our website is a great place to get all our information. Uh, if you want to serve at the church and children's ministry with teenagers, with setup and teardown, with parking and security, that's on our website as well. So if you say, hey, I want to see what it's all about, you can go to the website, look at it in detail, 
and uh, sign up for ways you can serve and impact this church. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for how you do so many great things for us and how you bless us with a great church family. Uh, we're a family that loves each other, and we're definitely a family that loves our community. We thank you for all the opportunities you have given to us to impact this community, to love on the people that don't go to church, but uh, they're, they, they're still people that are looking for love. They're looking for answers. They're looking for hope. And Father, we just thank you that we're a church that just loves to go out into the community to find ways to bless the people that are serving in this community, like the teachers and the staff here at Justin Forest. Uh, Father, we just thank you for opportunities that we can just uh, do encouraging things to encourage them. And as we do that, Father, we just ask that those little sparks of love and sparks of uh, encouragement can draw them into this church to come and join us to worship you, to learn about you, and they too can have that hope and peace that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. God, we ask your blessings on our service today. Be with Brad as he delivers the message to just give him the, your power, your wisdom, your words as he delivers that to our hearts. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So glad to have you with us in worship today, Impact Family. Let's all stand together as we worship our Lord today.
There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. This next song we'd just like to share uh, just talks about the battle belongs to the Lord.
today. We praise you for who you are, Father. We pray that as we hear your word today, God, that we will be drawn more to be closer to you, Father. We thank you for your presence, for your spirit, for your power. God, we thank you that you are worthy of all praise, all honor, and all glory, and we give that to you today, Father. We pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today will be the, become their day of salvation. God, I pray for just whatever may be on each individual heart this morning. We know that, God, you are the healer. You're the provider. God, you are everything that we need, and we love you, and we thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. I hope y'all are excited to be in the house of the Lord today as I am. And uh, I know we probably have a few more uh, Liberty students in the house today. If you're here, say what? what? Okay, there's some in here. I figured it might be. Uh, welcome this morning. Any other college uh, students as well from the area, welcome. Or if you're visiting with us um, here locally for uh, any uh, reason, or maybe you're here and you're searching for a church home a place to really anchor your family, to really get plugged in, to call home. We hope the Lord would lead you right here and make this your last stop and your last shop. Um, God's doing amazing work. We would love for you to be a part of it. 
And uh, we're just uh, getting started, we're about seven years old as a church plant. Uh, this is our temporary place to meet while we're building over on our land here in Forest. We have 45 acres, getting ready to put up our first building. Um, that will be uh, much more than a building. It's going to be a tool used to reach people in this community with the gospel. Um, we are a, a church that believes in uh, outreach completely, total missions. You know, when Jesus gave uh, the Great Commission... And uh, then in, in Acts chapter 1, when he said, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, what did he say? Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, a lot of times we think of missions, that's just things we can't see. That's just overseas, and that's a big part of it, uh, believe me. But then also, man, how, how mistaken would we be if we just went over there and we forgot the people standing right beside us? <laughs> And, we, and that's why God just doesn't want us to do church inside the four walls, right? We've got to be a church that makes disciples, and then we go out the four walls to reach people, all right? And that, that is what we have a big heart on. So we just uh, saw a little bit of that this week. Tim alluded to it with the uh, FCA uh, Bible study we do with the football team right here at JF, we, uh, something we started back in 2016, but even before we launched as a church, started doing missions, started doing outreach right here. And back then, in the beginning, man, it was, it was uh, good if we saw 20 kids, you know, at the end of practice between uh, JV and varsity. Then we had to take a couple years off for COVID. They wouldn't um, let us do it or whatnot. Didn't even have school there, of course, one year. But then after that, man, once we started back last year, God's just done an amazing thing. He has exploded the attendance. And then we saw that this week with 61 football players staying and uh, hearing God's word. That's right. So we uh, fed them physically and fed them spiritually. So if you want to be a part of that, because all that food, we bought 26 pizzas. All right, that comes from the giving of this church. All right, so that's what we're giving to. So keep giving, keep providing. If you want to cook a meal, great. Talk with Rick. The church can provide the meat, the noodles if you're making spaghetti, whatever, and you cook it and then provide it. So that'd be a blessing. All right, so also life groups. You probably heard some of that if you were here early. If you didn't, we're big on life groups. We don't have a Sunday evening or, Sunday, or Wednesday night service or anything like that because we're portable. So we love and believe in pushing people into life groups. We call them grow groups where you get plugged in, connected um, with a group of people, do life together, uh, and dig deeper in the Word. So we'll have those people set up at the side after the service. So make sure before you leave, you go get connected and start talking through and praying about how Lord will lead you to join a life group. Um, the one I lead will start on September 13th. We meet every Wednesday going through the book of John's because obviously I won't be on the side, but I believe um, uh, the people that host it will. So you can talk with them about it and we'd love to have you. So get plugged in. All right, let's get started. Continuing in our sermon series called Barrier Breakers, Overcoming Life's Toughest Obstacles. And today we're going to look at another one, as we have every week so far, about something that we all struggle with at times. Some of us struggle with this one monthly, weekly, daily. Because what we're going to look at today is overcoming depression. And the title of today's message is Breaking Out of Mental Prison. Breaking Out of mental prison. You know, everybody's familiar with this, uh, probably the most popular prison um, that I don't even think it runs anymore, but used to be known as the place that nobody could escape from. What is that? Alcatraz. Movies on it, right? Stories about it, myths, legends, all that. And it was this place that was built in, as a fort, actually, back in the early 1900s. And of course, they turned it into a prison, and they put these reinforced, extra heavy-duty 
iron bars on it where you couldn't cut through or saw through, reinforced concrete walls. It was on an island. So if you left that place, guess what you had to do? <laughs> You're swimming, baby, unless you got somebody picking you up in a boat or a helicopter. But then they had these guard stations strategically all over it that good luck's uh, being unseen trying to escape. They did dozens of um, security checks daily on the prisoners to make sure they were where they're supposed to be. It was almost impossible to get out. And then if you did, you got into 60-degree cold Pacific water with strong currents and great white sharks underneath you. Good luck with that swim. It was impossible to get out. It was very threatening. It was very intimidating. Guys, that's what depression is to us mentally. It threatens to be something that where you're trapped, that you're never going to get out of, that is all hope is gone and everything is wrong and everything's against you and everybody's against you and even God's against you is what it tries to lead toward. And to make you think that everything in your life is over. Guys, that's where depression wants to lead and take us. And many people struggle with that in various ways. But Jesus is in the business of setting people free. That's what he came to do. That's what he did with his finished work at Calvary. When he shed his blood, yes, he paid the penalty for our sin, but then he rose from the grave in victory, proving that he is God. He defeated all hell, death, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus. And we have a guaranteed victory with him if you're in Jesus. Guaranteed victory. There's some ways he delivers us, though. Yes, he can deliver us out of something. He can because he's God. He can perform the miracle. He can deliver us and, and, and heal the cancer miraculously. He can even pick us up out of the depression if he wants. He's God. He can take us out. He could. But more often times than not, he walks with us through the process. So he walks with us through the treatments of cancer. He walks with us through the process of depression. And his promise is to never leave us or forsake us, to stick closer than a brother. And there's guaranteed delivery in Christ because ultimately at the end, here's the third way he delivers, because once it's all said and done, even if you struggle and struggle and struggle with every breath you take until you take your last, if you're in Christ, you have guaranteed victory, guaranteed delivery because you're going to spend eternity with him. That's a promotion, baby. No matter which way you look at it, there's guaranteed delivery in Jesus. So we know he has come to set us free. And right now, with how we are and with the ways we struggle, and he knows that the hardship and the difficulties that life may bring. He said himself, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus wants to help set us free today from the mental prison of stinking thinking and depression. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you, Father, Lord, for the gift of your son. Lord, that he broke his body, he shed his blood, that we could have hope, that we could be restored and renewed. And Lord, that we could have a new life in you. And Lord, even with the hardships and the troubles and the complications and uncertainties and trials that this life brings, Father, we can have a peace in the middle of the storm that's only found in you. So Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord, and we see Father, from your word, that this is a common problem, that this isn't anything new, that it even affected people in biblical times. And Lord, we see your prescription of how to, to change the perspective and, and get our mind back on the right way of thinking and focused on you, Father, as you begin and start the healing process, Father. And Lord, that you ultimately have the goal to set us free. 
And Lord, you don't want us trapped in a, in a mental prison of wrong thinking and direction. Lord, so I pray, Father, that you would use your word today to do what only it can do through your spirit, Lord, that you can change hearts, change lives, and begin the process, Father, of healing, Lord, that I know you want to take place in all of us. Lord, so we praise you in advance for everything that you're about to do and say, and you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you have a copy of God's word, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 77. Psalm chapter 77. So what we're going to see is that this is not a new problem. This idea of mental anguish, depression, anxiety, like we talked about last week, that all builds up. But here's the question. When you find yourself in these situations and in these troublesome moments, and even for some, the, 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 the problem that lingers and goes on, how do you find God when you're troubled and depressed? There's probably no more difficult moment to really experience God than when you're consumed in your mind with problems and trouble, and everything seems negative. So how do we find God in those times? That's what we're going to look at today. Nothing new. Many people in the Bible were hit with depression. We don't have time to go through all the examples, but you may know some of them. Elijah, obviously depressed, even after God had done a miraculous uh, work, because now some people had come against him in, in evil, and he asked for his own life to be taken. How about Jonah? He was despondent when God did not destroy Nineveh. Jeremiah regretted the day he was born. Job's wife, you remember that? Because of all the situations that had come in him, not because of sin, but because of spiritual attack. Said, why don't you just curse God and die? How about David? So many times in the Psalms, and we hear his heart of, of struggle and despondence when obviously for David in his situation, mostly was a lot because of sin. And where it had brought him mentally. So we know there's no issue with somebody that is walking spiritually. That is, it's not uncommon for somebody who's walking spiritually, even with the Lord, to find themselves in situations at times where you feel depressed. Where you feel like maybe life's not going to get any better. So let's read this right here in this Next example, we're going to see in Psalm 77, and we're going to start with reading the first three verses. And what we're going to see is this is written by a very spiritual man, a man that's walking with the Lord. This is a guy who David has put as a worship leader, a choir director, if you will, inside of the tabernacle. So this is a spiritual guy. His name is Asaph, and he writes a lot of psalms here, a lot of which spoke for God's judgment and his righteousness and all that. So here he is. He's going to let us in on a little something. That even he, as a spiritual man of God, struggled with something at one point. All right? And was even depressed. Let's read that first here in Psalm 77, verses 1 through 3. It says, I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. 
I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Does that sound familiar there to anybody at any time, at any point in your life? It does me. So let's look at this because what we're going to see through this is this, yes, this idea, this man overwhelmed with something. We're not privy to what it was, and I believe that's on purpose because God wanted this to be applicable to all of us. Because the depression and the, and the things we can enter into with a, a backwards perspective and, and wrong mental thinking can be, have a lot of sources and a lot of causes. So let's look deeper at this. First, we see that depression is no respecter of persons. Every generation, every uh, financial tier, anybody can be plagued and hit with this. It's like the common cold of mental disorders and conditions. And here's what we need to know is it's on the rise, even in our nation, the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest nations in the world. Before 2020, one out of five Americans would experience and deal with clinical depression and depression symptoms at some point in their life. When we hit COVID in 2020, that number increased by 25%. So that then during that time, one in three, it went from one in five to every one in three people were dealing with symptoms of clinical depression. Since then, it hasn't dropped off that much. It's back down a little bit from 32 point whatever percent to now 29%. So still roughly one in three. It's on the increase. Women are two times more likely to experience depressive symptoms and disorders than men. Which is really dangerous when you figure that if depression continues in, the, in women for long periods of time, it leads to low bone density and bone mass. Which of course can cause trouble later in life. Adults in general with depressive disorders that are unresolved and linger are 64% more likely to develop coronary artery disease. It causes heart attacks. 64%. And we know, of course, depression, a major cause of suicide, and upwards of two-thirds of suicides are a direct result of depression. So we're talking about something very serious. Something that is life-changing. Just like we talked about and we alluded to this prison outbreak at the beginning, that how prison can confine you and take you out of society and take you away from family and friends and, and, and steal your life and steal time away from your life. Depression can do the same thing. And that's the mental prison that we can get in. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants you to stay there. The enemy loves to attack our minds, guys. He loves to attack our minds, and he wants you to stay in this thinking because he knows that if he can keep us there and we can lose our joy and we can not feel like telling anybody about Christ, he's gained victory over us. He's gained victory over our testimony in that, in that regard. So with all this, I mean, where's God when all this happens? It's a valid question, isn't it? I mean, where's the victorious Christian life that the Bible talks about and, and, and we, we, we tell others about? But yes, sometimes we ourselves get caught up in this. And what are we supposed to do when this happens? When this overtakes our mind and really starts to defeat us, are we to, deny, to just deny it, act like it's not there? 
Should we suppress it and stuff it all down and, and, and man up and be tough? What's the right, right response? Because that's going to be the key into how God leads us out. Should we just go buy more toys, buy more things to try to make us happy, buy some cars and some houses and some boats? And Should we binge eat? Should we drink some alcohol, do some drugs? Should we get on the internet and visit some sites we know we shouldn't be on? Should we dive into relationships we know we shouldn't be in? Just anything to try to make us forget the pain and make us feel good for just a minute. You see, a lot of those wrong responses actually will lead you into a deeper spiral because they do not truly satisfy. You can try all the things the world has to offer, guys, and there will still be an emptiness in your heart that you're always longing for something else. That hole was put there by God, and it will only be filled by Jesus. Some people would say, and you won't hear it from this pulpit in this church, but some would say, if you're walking with God, you shouldn't have depression at all. Wrong. We see biblical examples right here, everything we're talking about. Because we know that depression is complex. It has many different types, many different levels, many different causes. It can be physical, emotional, mental, relational, and yes, even spiritual causes can lead to some depression. Getting overworked in ministry can do it. And God understands and God wants to help you through. That's the key we need to know. God understands and God wants to help us through. You need to believe and you need to know that. That God isn't down on you. He hasn't left you. He's right there. And he's got a prescription, a guide for us to walk through to help change our perspective when we get in this spiral. All right? So... Depression, we need to define it as we get in here. Basically, we know, but it's a state of sadness and dejection, mental anguish leading to inactivity and loss of motivation, a change in hopelessness of feelings and mood, loss of self-worth, and it's usually complex in nature with many factors causing the mood changes. In other words, so many times it's not just one thing. You know, sometimes we can handle one thing bad, Sometimes, depending on what it is. But then oftentimes, it's just a, it's a bombardment of circumstances, of some physiological stuff, of some mental stuff, of maybe even some spiritual stuff like we talked about. And when everything just gets bogged down and, and, and weighed on you. That's why we had the message the other week and said, cast those burdens on the Lord. You got to get that backpack off your back. You remember last week? You got to get that stuff off and cast it on him. Because if not, a lot of anxiety leads into depressive disorders and such. So when you look at depression, there's what some may call normal depression, which it would be situational depression, intermittent depression, if you will. A lot of causes in this could be circumstantial. We've all experienced this, whether that's um, loss of a job, loss of money, loss of provision, loss of a loved one. That's huge. A divorce, missed opportunity on a dream or a goal that now seems like it slipped through your fingers. That can lead to it. Any type of significant change in life, whether that be new locations, new homes, new jobs, everything, you get the, this mental weight, and the enemy loves to get in and try to attack through that. Ladies, birth of a child. 
And we'll talk about that here in, in the physical as well. But there's a circumstance there with the birth of a child that can lead to something called postpartum depression. It's very common. Another circumstantial causes could be deadlines that have to be met, causing stress, long work hours, too much on your plate for too long, don't feel like you can get anything accomplished. Then there's physiological causes. These can be extreme mental and physical fatigue, very commonly seen in ministry, guys, as well. That's what I'm saying. Just because you're in, in the cycle of depression doesn't mean you're not spiritual. There's some great men and women of God that have dealt with this just through fatigue in ministry. And it can happen in the secular world as well. Even some medications have the side effects of causing depression. Genetics can be a huge cause. Infection or illness can lead to some symptoms. A lot of physiological imbalances such as hormones especially early in life and late in life, early in life with adolescence and puberty and hormone changes, later in life, women with menopause, men with the uh, uh, midlife crisis, I guess they call it for us, right? That's when you go out and buy your Corvette and you know something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. For me, it's not going to be a Corvette. It's going to be a 24-foot offshore boat, all right? But anyway, I'm going to kiss some tuna, all right? Anyway, a lot of things just can happen with, with changes in hormones and physiological levels, thyroid disorders, extreme dehydration even, concussions, brain injuries. You ever think about that? It's very common today in athletics with concussions. It can lead to depression symptoms and disorders later in life. Addictions, of course, and the use of drugs and alcohol. But then here, what we're going to look at, especially today, is the mental side, faulty negative thinking. Oftentimes, this can be a trained response, maybe how we grew up, who, who we're around a lot. If we're around a lot of negativity, we start to think negative. We start to respond negative to situations and things that happen. A lot of depression, talking about mental thinking, is a lot of anger turned inward. As much as 95% of depression is anger turned inward. And you can see how the past five weeks, all the things we've been talking about have led to this point where we've, talking, we've talked about overcoming anger, taming the tongue. We've talked about overcoming the pain of the past. We've talked about um, uh, overcoming bitterness and unforgiveness. Last week, we talked about overcoming anxiety. All those things can chip in and lead to this type of overwhelmed thinking and negative thinking. Even sin, we saw that as we alluded to in David through the Psalms, because of his sin, he had led him into uh, depression. Because we know that a lot of times we open ourselves up to demonic influence when we indulge in sin, especially alcohol, drugs, things that start to play with our mind and, and, and change things. Boy, that's the devil's playground right there. I'm going to tell you what. And we can then open yourself up to some demonic uh, attacks, but then even outside of sin, you can just have plain old spiritual attacks. Well, we're in a spiritual battle, and the enemy wants to shut us down, and he'll use anything he can to do so. He'll use circumstances. He'll use relationships. He'll use the depravity of hearts of other people to come against you. He'll do anything he can because he wants to see you fail. You've got an enemy. So all of that, we're all going to experience some of that sometimes, feel blue, sad, feel overwhelmed, have times of hopelessness where we think everything's going wrong. Nothing's going to work out. But the way we respond to this, guys, makes all the difference in the outcome. As to whether we stay in it or we 
allow God to help us work our way out. Of course, there's, besides just the intermittent situational depression, we know there's something called clinical depression. There's also known as major depressive disorder. This is where depression, either through physiological changes, but also even through constant uh, thinking this way, can actually cause changes in the brain. Did you know that? If you think negatively and think wrong long enough, it'll actually start to change the way your brain functions. You can have levels of serotonin that are off and norepinephrine, synapses in the brain not work well. We're not here for for a physiology lesson by any means. We're here for the Bible. But just to know that there is a real, real problem that can develop and can be present where you need help. Okay? Can I just say that? That in those situations where you are experiencing symptoms of clinical depression and changes like that, that you need to go get help from a psychiatrist, from psychologists, from, from doctors. You need to go get that help. Yes, God uses doctors and medication to help and heal sometimes. Yes, he does. Who gave them that knowledge anyway and ability? <laughs> Man, I mean, there, 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 there's, some, there's some freaky people that would say, no, absolutely not. Yeah, actually. Because there's situations where, where God will use that to help. Because here's what we know. When your brain's off balance and you're looking at life sideways or upside down, man, you can throw all the Bible you want on that and your brain ain't functioning right. You can't receive God's word accurately. Amen. And it gets twisted and convoluted and, and the enemy works in that. And it can actually make things worse and make you just hate God. So th- there's a situation in time where, yes, you need some help. And if you're experiencing that, man, can I encourage you to do that? Because we've explained all the problems that it can lead to if we don't, that help can be necessary, all right? Because then when that's corrected and and through counseling and and, and doctor's help and whatever is necessary, it can actually correct those things going wrong, those imbalances in the mind, and help you think accurately. So then in combination with God's word, it doesn't take the place of God's word, never, because you need God's word to help out and be released, but it can get you headed in the right direction. So, looking at people in Scripture, we can see, we've listed many examples, but here's what's interesting. God provided different remedies, if you will, in different situations where, di- where people are at. Guys, he knows our situations, and he wants to meet us where we're at. For Elijah and his, uh, his depression and, and wanting to die, he got him some rest. Say, hey, man, lay down, eat. Let's get some food. Let's get some rest. Man, you, you, need, to, you need to check out for a little bit and, and just recover. Or David, he was depressed, of course, because of sin, like we talked about. What he needed was to be confronted and to confess his sin and to repent and get right with God. There's a situation in that as well. Jonah needed a, a quick rebuke from the Lord to get the right perspective. <laughs> And to, to get rid of that negative thinking that was happening. But in all those situations, the intervention was this. was always to change the perspective of the person. You see, when we get in this negative thinking, we get the wrong perspective on things. That's where it gets dangerous. And we've got to snap out of that sometimes before it leads into deeper trouble like we just discussed. So this is where... God longs to change our perspective and our thinking. Let me give you a passage of scripture right here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. And you know some of this, and we actually taught through this book of the Bible because we usually preach expositionally. This is one of the rare times we do topical series here. We've taught through 1 Peter before, but let me read this for you. 
It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, cast, casting all your care upon him. Somebody say all. all. All your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Did you catch that? Man, all the situations, all the trials, all the problems, all the dark times, yes, even some thoughts of depression and and all this stuff, man, it's not uncommon. (laughs) It was common in biblical times. It's common today. And we're not experiencing anything new. And God knows and understands. Let's continue in that passage. Then he says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I like that. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God cares. He wants you to cast every single care upon him because, you know, did you see the context? Because there's an enemy out there and he's trying to take you out. He's doing everything he can to to just squash you. He doesn't want to just give you a flat tire. He wants to take you out. He's after your kids. He's after your marriage. He's after your mental health. He wants to just make you so convoluted with problems and and focused on the world that you forget your walk with Jesus. And you walk like like you're so uh, torn out and and depressed and you never have a smile on your face. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. But it says, cast it all on him because God wants to do a work. And after you've suffered for a while, he wants to make it right, reestablish you, strengthen you, settle you. He wants to say, peace be still to the storm in your life. So what we're going to see here in the rest of Psalm 77, where we started, is the, God's prescription for this mental prison of depression in this normal mental fog that we can all find ourselves in through stinking thinking from life's troubles. And you know what it is. You feel it. You felt it before. You you feel it coming almost. And you you start to get burned out and and you start to to think negative, feel hopeless. And then there may be times where you pray through it and you walk through it and, and you talk through it and you have moments of joy and then something else happens and then three more things happen. And before you know it, you're back to being negative and everything's worse and you feel like everybody's against you. And you even feel like God's against you. We're going to see that in this psalm. And you start to just get this wrong perspective on what's going on. And you begin the downward spiral. So, how do you respond? Here we go. Psalm 77. Back to it. We're going to read verse 4 through 20 through the end of this chapter. Read the first three verses. Now we're going to pick up verse 4 through 20. It says, You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? 
And I said, this is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Here we, here's the turn. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate. There we go. New thinking. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters you saw, O oh God, the, the waters you saw, they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your path in the great waters and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So we definitively see Asaph being very honest. That, man, I've got some mental trouble going on. There was a time where I was in some stinking thinking. And it was overwhelming me. It was overtaking me. It was ruining me, even spiritually. But then there was a shift that took place. And we're going to look at that and we're going to see that. The first thing we see even in the first three verses that we read that we need to do when we're trying to right the ship of our mental thinking and start our way out for this jailbreak from, from our, for our mental health, we need to be desperate for God even in the midst of our storm. Be desperate for God even in the midst of our storm. In other words, even when you don't feel like it. Did you see that right at the first of chapter 77? When he comes right out and says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to, to me. That means he knows he's listening. Did you get that, though? The problems weren't fixed yet. But he knew that he knew that he knew where to go. Even though he was in, in the dark, even though he was in the middle of it, he knew where to go, and he knew his God would listen. Do you have that same mind, mindset? When you're in the deepest, darkest of troubles, do you run to God desperately or do you run to Jack Daniels and Jim Bean? Where do you go when life just overwhelms? You gotta be desperate for God. You gotta run to the right place. You gotta respond properly. That's the start. Even Jesus set the example for this. Of course, Jesus was never in, in depression or, or anxiety or anything like that, but he felt the pressure and problems of life because, yes, he was God in the flesh. Let's read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 8. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, that's Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Man, that's hard for us to get sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, man, we don't like it, and, and, and life's hard and troublesome, and man, we just want out. But so many times, God walks with us through that. He hears our cry, and we grow and we learn in Christ by walking in obedience. And he does something in us and through us 
Yes, even though sometimes we suffer. So be desperate for God. In other words, there comes a point where in a sense, you've got to, to make a choice that I'm going to not just focus on this, but I'm going to turn a focus to God. I'm not going to go to other things in the world to try to fill me up and make me feel better. I'm going to make a choice to run to the one who is sovereign and in control and understands and knows it all anyway. In other words, we've got to put our spiritual blinders on sometimes. You ever seen the horses sometimes and they, they put those blinders on them? So they can't see all the junk going on out here. And they can stay focused on what's ahead. Guys, we need to do that spiritually. We need to put some spiritual blinders on sometimes. We're in the midst of the battle and everything going on. And we need to keep our focus right here. Right here on this word. Right here on this truth. Focus on who he is. That's the start. That's the start. And if we don't get that and we run to other things, we're going to end up in a continued downward spiral every time. Can I say that again? If you don't do this first part right here, the rest of it doesn't matter. If you run to the things of this world to fill you up and to solve your problems and to make you feel better, you will experience the pain and destruction further of this world and you will downward spiral further. But then we see this, and he's very honest here in this psalm. This is what I love about it because it's honest. Do you see this part where, man, in a sense, he starts to blame God right here in the, in the passage we just started reading through, chapter four, um, through verse 4? In that chapter, it says, you hold my eyelids open. What does that mean? Like, Lord, you caused me where I couldn't even get any sleep. You wouldn't come to my rescue immediately. You wouldn't solve this problem, man. You're making me lose sleep. You're holding my eyelids open at night. Where are you at, God? Ever been there? This dude's being honest. Then he says, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Man, this stuff's got me so upside down, I don't even want to talk to nobody. <clears throat> Go to isolation. That's where the enemy wants you. He wants you isolated. He wants you losing sleep, feeling bad, running to things in the world. Don't even feel like talking to nobody. Don't feel like going to church. Isolate. Oh, he's got you. That first Peter passage we just say, he's prowling like a lion. He's looking for the one that's by itself and wounded. Don't get there. Right the ship. Asaph's being really honest. In a sense, blaming God, lack of sleep, so troubled, I can't even talk. But then he shifts a little bit. He says, I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I started thinking about some of the good times. Man, how life used to be good. And man, boy, it ain't right now. But man, there used to be a day, man, where man, life was good. So there was this little flicker of hope. And maybe sometimes we need to do that, man. I mean, we spend all this money on wedding photos and stuff right? Monstrous amounts of money. When's the last time you picked that bad boy up and looked at him? <laughs> Especially if you've been married for like 20, 25 years, like, like my wife and I just uh, had 25 years here in July. I can't remember the last time I picked that thing up. But sometimes, man, when, when life's hard, you can go back and you can remember the good times where God was doing some, some good stuff and life was good and he's faithful. So there's this little flicker, but then it kind of shifts again because he's being very honest. He said, I consider the things of old and the years of ancient times, and I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart like I'm trying to think of some good things. And my spirit makes diligent search. In other words, I'm longing. I'm searching, God. I need some help. And then he gets very, very, very honest. 
And you can see where the negative thinking that has consumed him, where, yeah, he's blaming God there in a little bit. He's trying to find something good to think about. But then he gets very honest with the Lord because he knows where his true help comes from. He knows what will, what will truly make him happy. Not just the good times of the past that he used to have. That's not going to make him happy now. What's going to withstand even the storms of life? And he knows where to go, and he asks these honest questions, but you can see the negative thinking that's twisted and making him maybe even possibly doubt the promises of God. Like, God, are you real? Are, are you really going to come through? Look at this, starting in verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable, favorable to me no more? Has mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God gotten, forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Boy, those are some honest questions. You ever felt like that? Just, man, Lord, where are you, man? Are, are, are you done with me? Have I done something wrong? Where's your promises at, Lord? But you can see where that negative thinking starts to twist you into this. All these things we just read in verses 7 through 9. Who would love you to stay right there? And doubt the promises of God, doubt his word, doubt his faithfulness. Who? Your enemy. What did he do to Adam and Eve? Did God say? He wants to make you doubt and question God. And is God real? Is, is, all, is this Christian life worth it? Is it worth it to step out in ministry? Is it worth it to take on all this and, and, and feel the, the, the pain? God, where are you? He's very honest. And then God's going to shift him. Right here. And we're going to see where that shift needs to be taken in us as well. All right? Because some really godly people can do some really irrational things if depression sticks around. I'm going to say it again. Some godly people can do some really irrational things if we let depression stick around. The enemy wants it. Verse 10, we see a shift. We're going to start to see a change. You ready? And he says, and I said, this is my anguish, but, somebody say but. but. Oh, come on. Everybody loves a good but every once in a while right here. But, all this stuff's going on, but God. Amen. But God, that's what we're going to see. Come on. We got to have this right here. In some of the translations, you'll say, but then I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. He says, I will remember. Under Armour had a slogan years ago, I will, right? It's not I might, I'm going to think about it. I'll do it if I feel like it. I will. I will overcome. Do you have that mindset spiritually? Will you let God give you that if you don't? He wants you to have that through his spirit. He wants to right the ship of your thinking. And that's what he's doing right here for Asaph. But he said, but man, this is my anguish, all this trouble, all these problems. Yeah, I got it. But God, I will remember the years of the right hand of the most high. Amen. And the things start to change through the rest of this psalm. He says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders. And I'll meditate. Some translation back there in, in, in verse 10, you might have the word appeal. In verse 10 and 11, it says, that, and we think of an appeal, you think of a, of a change of a verdict, right? I'm going to appeal that. I'm going to make a plea for something to be different. That's where God wants us to be. And he wants us to be dependent upon him. Even, get this, even 
Ashraf's problems haven't been corrected yet. It's not when things start going good that he has this change of thinking. We have to understand that. This is in the midst of his despair. Did you catch verse 10? we got to get this. This is my anguish. In other words, this is all still going on, but you got to have that mindset. If you don't remember anything else today with all the problems you're going through and walking through and all the problems that will come in your life, and you may get down like this and question God, you have to remember, but... Yes, this is my problems, but God, then I will remember, I will appeal. While I'm still in the dark, while nothing's changed yet, I'm going to still focus on you. In other words, I mean, he says so many times, I'm going to think and meditate on these memories of the past. It's, renewed. it's a renewed perspective. And he's going to start looking at, at the very character of God and his faithfulness and his holiness and how he's provided in the past. Not just for himself. Did you get that? Even for others. He's going to look back how he provided for others. That's so huge. And he uses this concept of God, El Elyon, as the creator and the sustainer of all. Guys, I'm going to tell you, depression, when it starts to make you think negatively and unbiblically and untrue, and when we start thinking this way repetitively, it starts something in our soul and our heart if we don't correct it, if we don't right the ship and allow God to, to, to re-steer our heart and our thinking. Because we'll start to think that everything's against us, the world, people, and yes, even God himself. So he repeals, he remembers, he meditates on all these things. Multiple times he talks about taking control of his thoughts. Did you see that? And I want to point this out. Here's a choice to think differently. In the midst of it, you and I have a choice to say, but. Because remember, we talked about last week at the end of anxiety. We have access to somebody. If you're in Christ, you have access to someone. And if you're not in Christ, you can repent and surrender your life to him right now, this place. And from this moment forward, you have access to the throne with him. Will you do that now? Amen. The things of this world will never satisfy. Stop running to them. They're going to wash you up and leave you hung out to dry. You better get on your knees and go to the right place because God is right here saying, man, you got access. Amen. Because of my son, Jesus, you have access. But when you come in, remember the gym membership analogy last week? Y'all have all had a gym membership, and you had access to everything that would make you strong and healthy and skinny and get you some abs, right? But if you don't use it, ain't ever going to happen, is it? Same thing. God said, man, through, through Jesus, through Christ, I've given you the gym keys. It's open 24-7, baby. Everybody likes them gyms open 24-7, so if you can't sleep, you can go get a workout. Hey, God never sleeps. He's always right there for you. You've got 24-7 access right there. But are you accessing it and using it? Or are you trying to do life on your own? You're trying to get your spiritual abs by yourself. Ain't going to happen. You've got to go to the right place. So in this appeal in verses 13 to 20 to speed us along to conclude here, we see this change in thinking. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary 
Who's as great as you? You are the God who does wonders. You declare your strength among the peoples. With your arm, you redeem your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. Clouds poured out water. The skies, everything. What's he looking back to? He alludes to it at the end. The deliverance of God's people. When all hope was gone, if there's ever been a more hopeless situation in all of humanity, it was when the Israelites were standing in front of a Red Sea about to drown with an army behind them about to kill them. And you talk about being stressed, having some anxiety, maybe being a little immediately depressed, hopeless, questioning God. I think God did something. He showed up. And I, and I love what God said to Moses because Moses has said, hey, be still. You'll see the Lord your God's going to fight for you today. But they were physically still. You see, the message isn't just be physically still because God then asked Moses, he's like, hey, man, why do people just stand in there? Tell them to walk. Mm, I thought you said be still. Be still means stop trying to fix everything yourself. Stop trying to fix everything with the things of the world and let God do the work. And yes, in the middle of it, while you're waiting on God to do what only he can do, keep walking. Don't isolate yourself. Don't stay in fear. Keep walking where God has for you. Don't forget in the darkness of what God told you in the light. It's God's provision he starts to see and claim. The Red Sea parting, the moments of the the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, maybe with the thunder and the lightning and God providing. What is he saying here? Ultimately, I started to remember I've got a really big God. (laughs) Yeah, I got some problems, but they're small in comparison to who he is. You see, you can take a note right there. If you've got a big God, you've got some small problems. But if you've got some big problems, you've got a really small God. It's like the concept, and we've told it before, I think it's appropriate to tell it again, of the airplane. And this dad took his son out to see uh, in the yard, and, and he looked up away in the sky, and he saw this little teeny thing moving across the sky with some smoke behind He said, Daddy, what's that? He said, man, that's an airplane, buddy. That's an airplane? He said, yeah. He said, you can ride on it and go places. He said, that's way too small to ride on. He said, oh, man, he said, you don't even know. So he said, I'm going to show you one one day. So one day he took him over to the airport, and, and he got beside as close as they could to one of the big jets when it fired up, and it was loud. And, and if you've ever been there, you hear you can't hear nothing. And it was so big in front of this kid, and it was all he could see, and it was all he could hear. And, 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 he, and he said, Daddy, this is the same type of airplane we saw in the sky? He said, yes, son. He said, why does it seem so big and so loud right now? He says, because you're close to it. How close are you to God? Are you so far away that he looks so tiny and small and you can't hardly see him and you can't hear him? Or are you walking with him and and turning to him and desiring to seek him and be so close to him that he's all you can see and he's all you can hear? That'll start to change your perspective. That'll right the ship. It'll help. I love Psalm 34, 17 through 18. It says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved, saves the crushed in spirit. How more appropriate to what we're talking about than that. I'm going to read that in again. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What's our key point? You want a take-home point if you're taking notes? Here it is. We can choose to look at life and God through the lens of our problems and feelings, or we can choose to look at life and problems through the lens of God and his truth. I'm going to say it again. We can choose to look at life and God through the lens of our problems and feelings, or we can choose to look at our life and problems through the lens of God and his truth. That's perspective. God wants to change our perspective even in the midst of our trials, of the problems, of the brokenness that we're experiencing. He wants to tilt us from that sideways, upside-down view to the right view of him, even if the problems are still going on. If you recall, Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh, and he asked the Lord to deliver him from it multiple times. The Lord said, no. There's some people you may struggle with thoughts and and things of depression because we talked about the physiological problems and stuff that can happen. You may struggle with this monthly, weekly, some people even daily. Get the help you need, get the treatment, but then also go to the Lord and he wants to help right the ship and break you out of the mental prison. You can have victory in him. It's the mental prison break into freedom through Christ. With the reflection back of who he is, that he's God, he's sovereign, he's in control, and he's a provider. And what he's done in the past that you read in his word, and what he's done in the past for you, he can and will do again. I leave you with this example. And before I say this example, just know I don't condone the mistreatment of animals, so please don't turn me into PETA. But in the 1950s in Harvard, a, a Dr. Riker did an experiment with some rats. And he put them in some water, and he wanted to see how long they could swim until they gave up and started to drown. Average was a few minutes up to 15 minutes. But then he, did, he tried something else. So before they drowned, he would take them out, and he would dry them off and set them aside and let them rest. For a little bit to recover and then he would put them right back in so if they went for say 15 minutes the first time and they had a little break and then they went back in how long do you think they might swim five minutes six minutes ten minutes i mean you're already tired right to some extent do you know how long they swim 60 hours days why why the doctor thought This is the only thing he could conclude. I want you to get this because this speaks to our Lord. It was the message of hope that was given to the rat because he was saved one time so he could hang on longer because he knew he would be saved again. What has God done for you in your past where he saved you? And yes, right now you feel like you're swimming for life with all you got and your lips are barely above the water, but you just hang on. Don't quit because the God who saved you before will come and rescue and save you again. He 
is faithful. Don't quit. Get the help you need if you need it. Get into it. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery and Chain Breakers and everything we have to, to help people go through any hurt, habit, hang-up. It's not just for addicts, man. It's for anything you're struggling with, fear, anxiety, depression, all this stuff. Man, get around some people. Talk it through. Yes, get the professional help as well if you need it. But man, get into with, with people. Get into these life groups. Get into small groups. Do life together. Man, let's not just do church on Sunday in four walls. Let's do life together all week long. Let's do ministry together all week long. Let's reach people for the gospel, yes, on football fields, through sports complexes. Let's, let's send people out. Let's start churches in Bangladesh. Yes, let's do all that stuff. Let's give the missionaries. Let's be vigilant about the gospel and let's do life together. You were not meant to do life alone. God wants you to be in community and experience that. The enemy wants you to be in isolation. Because he's prowling and looking to devour. Joy is in the Lord. And even Paul said all through Philippians, you can have that joy even when you don't feel like it or when circumstances aren't great. Because the truth is, our gospel begins with a song, with angels singing over the, over the major joy to the Lord, the, the, the joy to the world, the Lord has come. And then in Revelation, it ends with a song with the saints singing over the sea of glass. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. I'm going to tell you what. You have guaranteed victory in Jesus. Amen. You have access. But will you use it? God wants to set you free. Start the process right now, today. Let's pray. And before we pray, I just want to know right now. If there's somebody in here, you might say, just Brad, I've, I've, I've never received Jesus. I've never surrendered my heart, my life to him. And today I want to I do that right now because I need access to the throne. I, I need, a, I need a, a new heart, a new life. I need a new direction. And I'm tired of doing life on my own. And I'm going to come run into Jesus right now. I want to get this right. And I want to give him my life and walk with him. If that's you, I'm going to offer you this opportunity to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I want you to know it's not a magic prayer. It's not the words by themselves to save you. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says by your heart that you're justified. And yes, with your mouth that you're saved when you confess. So will you give him your heart right now today? Just surrender all. Or if you're here, you might say, Brad, I've walked in and out of church doors a lot in my life. And there was a time, man, I, I even committed my life, surrendered my life to Jesus. And I walked with him, man, and I was on fire for the Lord. But lately, man, life's just happened. And, man, I, I've drifted. I've walked away. And, and, man, I want to come running back to the cross today like the prodigal son. If that's you, I want you to pray this same prayer from your heart to God's heart. And just rededicate your life to him. Just say, Lord, I'm coming back right now. So to do business with him right now for the first time or to rededicate, just say, dear Lord. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Lord, I've messed things up. And I'm in need of you right now. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross to finish the work that I couldn't do, that I couldn't pay for my own sin. And it's not by works that I come to you. It's by faith and faith alone. And I surrender all right now to you, Lord. Thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, that I could be redeemed, that I could have a new life, that I could be a new creation, that I could be transformed by the renewing of my mind through you and your word. Lord, I desperately need it. Thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving that you are God and that you stand in victory. And Lord, I want to claim that victory right now in my life. Father, I need it. 
My family needs it. My friends need it. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward, with every step I take and every breath I make will be only for your glory alone. Lord, thank you for saving me. If that was you right now, you did business with God for the first time, or you rededicated your life to him, would you just boldly and unashamed right now, no one looking around, just raise your hand. Say, Brad, I did business with God right now. I want you to pray for me. For the first time, or I rededicated my life. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. We're going to close our service like we do every week here at Impact. I'm just going to offer you an opportunity to whatever God's moving in your heart, you put action with your feet right now. So let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice. And whatever it is, just come as the Lord leads. Maybe you just made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you're struggling with something that we talked about today. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe you just want to um, ask about the church, pray about joining the church, get plugged in. Maybe you need prayer over a a loved one, a a lost loved one, or, or a financial or a health situation. Whatever it is right now, just come as the Lord leads.
give Jesus a big round of applause. Church, he deserves it. He's faithful with his word, and I know it didn't return void today. So I hope it spoke to you as much as it spoke to me this week in preparation of it. And as we exit, we always say every week, let's take this word. Let's go make an impact for Jesus. But before you leave, make sure you get plugged in. All these life group leaders, wave your hands over there. Guys, everybody over there, talk with them, get with them, get plugged in with them. Let's do life together. Go make an impact for Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday. And also, there's some cards over there. Make sure you pick some of those cards up where you can write notes to the teachers uh, here at the school and thanking them that you're praying over them. Take them home, write it up, pray over it, and then we can get them uh, to the teachers as you turn those in as well.